You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, episode 10 with Monica F. Cox. I wanted to prove to anyone in the world that this little black girl could be anything. If I wanted to be president of the United States, an engineer, um, get a PhD, um, be an astronaut, whatever, I could do it. And I would never be limited by um, my race, by my gender or by anything. And I think my parents instilled that in me. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 10 of the Trailblazers podcast. With me today is Dr. Monica F. Cox. Monica Cox is a professor and the inaugural chair in the Department of Engineering Education at The Ohio State University. Her research is focused upon the use of mixed methodologies to explore significant research questions in undergraduate, graduate, and professional engineering education to explore issues of intersectionality among women, particularly women of color in engineering, and to develop, disseminate, and commercialize reliable and valid assessment tools for use across engineering education continuum. Now, in 2011, she became the first African-American female to earn tenure in the College of Engineering at Purdue University. In 2008, she also earned a Presidential Early Career Award for Scientists and Engineers, which is the highest honor bestowed by the United States government on outstanding scientists and engineers. I think everyone is going to take away something amazing from this interview, but I'm especially excited for our women and young ladies listening to this session. You know, here is a fun, smart, and ambitious role model who I know you're going to find very inspiring, yet very approachable. In today's episode, we talked a little bit about the point she recognized her interest in STEM, which, by the way, stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Uh, We discussed her early stage mentors. We talked about her strategic approach to attaining the degrees that she did. Uh, We spoke about her new job at Ohio State and what her day-to-day there is is like right now. Uh, We talked about perseverance and how she's able to push ahead through some of the roadblocks she's experienced as a pioneer. And we talked about what we as a community and for those of us who are parents can begin doing to expose our children to STEM. And we talked about much, much more. So I hope you enjoy today's episode and I love you to go ahead and shoot me a tweet at TBPod after you've listened to today's episode and share with me some of your favorite takeaways. With that said, let's dive right in to today's session. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 10 of the Trailblazers podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hart, and with me today is Dr. Monica F. Cox. Monica, welcome, and thank you for being our guest on today's episode. Thanks, Stephen. It's so great to be here. I look forward to our interview. So I've told our community a little bit about you in our intro, but, you know, we really want to get beyond a scripted bio and, you know, all your accolades for just a brief minute and allow our listeners to really connect with you. Could you maybe share something that's not polished for media consumption, but is 100% Monica? Yes. I am something of a a girly girl, and I was involved in beauty pageants when I was young. And the thing that... Yes, yes. I do believe in beauty pageants, and I was in the Miss National Peanut Festival pageant in Alabama, where (laughs) I grew up. So, Monica, at what point... 
you know, growing up, did you actually realize that you had this love for uh, STEM, for math, engineering, science? Well, I was always um, great at at STEM, but I remember being in the fifth grade and uh, having to stay home from school one day, um, and I watched the Challenger um, launch from from Florida with NASA. Mm. And as I watched it, um, after a few moments, I, I remember seeing the shuttle explode. And I wondered if that was some type of joke. I wondered what happened to the individuals who were on that the um, the shuttle. And I just began to ask a lot of questions about engineering, about human error, and about how we could make um, air travel safe. And that kind mm-hmm. of began the the journey that I, I had for STEM and the love that I began to have for engineering. Wow. Was as as that progressed, was there anyone that mentored you through, you know, your formative years to help guide guide your career? Yes. Um when I was growing up, my parents were not into STEM education, but they had a love for learning because both of my parents were educators. Uh, my mom taught first grade for 41 years, and my dad was a math um, educator as well as an administrator. So when I was in the second grade, which was in the 80s, my dad enrolled me in a computer science class. So if you think about computers, they have progressed so much over time, right. and I learned about basic things like like coding and logic. Um, and then I also had an opportunity to go to many camps um, as a result of, of my dad, just, just seeing my interest in engineering. So I always knew math and science um, as a result of him. Um, the second person was Dr. Etta Faulkner, who was one of the first African-American women to get a PhD in mathematics in the United States. So as, uh, as an undergraduate at Spelman College, she was a mentor to many of the women in the, the math program. And she pulled me into her office one day and she told me that I'd always underestimated myself and that I needed to go on to get a master's degree in engineering. And because Dr. Faulkner believed in me and she told me that she saw potential in me, I then decided that maybe there was some truth to it. And it gave me the, the courage to go forward and, and pursue, pursue advanced um, education in engineering. Wow, you know, I was I was actually wondering that as I was I was doing my research and reading up about you, you know, I was I was wondering, you know, was it a strategic plan to to follow up your your undergrad in math with engineering and then uh you you focused your PhD on leadership and and higher education um administration, right? Yes. Um was was that all strategic? Yes, strategy is a very important word to me, and I decided at the age of 19 that I wanted to be a university president because of my presence. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at Spelman College, I decided that. And I just began to plan to see how I could combine my love for, for engineering, for um, STEM, for education, and for administration over 20 years ago. Yes. Wow. And so today you are the inaugural chair of the engineering education department for The Ohio State University. Yes. For the benefit of our listeners, could you tell us maybe a little bit more about your day to day there? Yes. 
So I have been in this job for about two and a half months, and I am overseeing uh, maybe a staff of about um, 100 plus people. We are now starting a doctoral program. We're hiring faculty. We just um, completed a search with faculty and um, with potential faculty. And I have an opportunity to continue my research while also um, starting a department in the College of Engineering at Ohio State. So, you know, what gets you up every day? What's, What's some of the things that you've enjoyed most so far? Well, I think that people have a hunger for leadership. And I enjoy going to work and being with people who want someone to help make quality decisions that affect their lives, but also affect the lives of students. Um, So just feeding off of individuals who somehow see me as an expert in not only research, but also someone who has the ability to lead individuals into an unknown space is something that motivates me. I love um, I love being visionary. I love um, connecting with people who have a hunger to demonstrate their expertise. And I think that's what keeps me going every day. That's great, Monica. In 2011, you became the first African-American female to earn tenure in the College of Engineering at Purdue. Uh, first, let me say congratulations on that accomplishment. Thanks. As I was thinking about and reading about uh, what you did at Purdue, you know, it, it, it brought this aspect of our podcast where, you know, we love to talk about, you know, challenges, fears, failures. I, I wanted to touch on that a bit. I know that without a doubt, you are clearly a very smart and accomplished woman and a pioneer. Uh, but I, I really believe from all that I've read that your story is one of perseverance, right? So, you know, I've, I've, I've given this thought and I imagine your, your past years uh, on your, on your journey where you've, you've likely managed many different teams of researchers to be able to, to write now what a hundred plus publications. Yes. And you've also raised more than $10 million in research funding. And that's just amazing. But let's, let's take a minute. And I would love to reflect on maybe some of your research roadblocks that didn't go as planned, you know, caused you to experience um, some some significant challenge or failure. Could you maybe speak to that and tell us maybe what happened at one of those lowest lows and, and, and how you were able to overcome it and get back on track? I think that forming collaborations uh, will be one of the biggest things that any professor has to do. And whenever you think about that, for people of color or maybe a woman of color in engineering, um, it's a little bit different. Um, research does talk about the isolation and the marginalization that many women of color face. And I was no different in my environment. Um, just introducing um, who I was to people and, and letting people know um, the role that I could play on projects has always kind of been something of a challenge. But I found myself um, trying to find new ways to engage with people or, or finding people outside of my current community to um, to engage with. And one of the big things that I think about is that it's important to not just play the game, but change the game. And that was, that was the mindset that I always had. Your people could not tell me what it was like to be the first African American woman to be an engineering faculty or how people would treat me or the roadblocks or how to overcome them. So I found that as I 
encountered something, I would I began to write the information down for other people. And I found myself reflecting on what was different about the experience. What did I learn in my doctoral program? But what did I not learn? And then how could I use those lessons to help other people who would come after me? So I, I think that I kind of embraced the difference and the challenges because I knew that this was a journey that no one else had gone on, but it did not have to be a struggle for people who came after me. Let me ask you, you know, beyond you're doing interviews like this, right, to be able to do just that and share share with those who are coming behind you. But what are maybe some of the other ways that you're you're able to accomplish that and give back right now? Yeah. So one of the things that I started doing was to start a blog and a website um, called prepared to be a pioneer dot com. And that came from a space where I began to realize that I was prepared to be a professor. Like I know how to write grants. You've already you've already talked about some of the accomplishments that I've achieved, but I didn't know how to navigate the academy from the perspective of a woman of color who was young and uh, was a little quirky and, um, you know, mouthy and humorous and all of these other unique attributes that, that make up who I am. Um, so within this blog, I kind of talked about my experiences, the good, the bad and the ugly. And I realized that you really may not read about what people go through when it comes to um, advising graduate students or the challenges that someone may have in the workplace. But through this documentation, I have had an opportunity to virtually mentor many people who know me, um, maybe via social media or via my, via my blog, more so than they would um, just from seeing me every day on a campus. So I feel that my purpose is to engage people who may not ever come to Ohio State or may not have ever gone to Purdue. And the way to do that is through this Prepare to be a Pioneer brand. That's amazing. Do you have fears of, of failing to achieve goals you've set? Or um, do you think you're more afraid of the, the, the larger responsibilities that come, you know, should you achieve those goals? Well, I, I think I would be the person who would most likely be afraid based on the goals that I've set because I have very lofty goals. Um, just right. the other day, I was talking to my husband, and this may seem like a joke, but since we're in a political um, time, I said, well, maybe I'd like to start a political campaign and maybe in eight years or so, I'd like to run for president of the United States. <laughs> and, you know, it started off kind of as a joke, but I've noticed right. that in every area of my life, I have this really big dream and these mm -hmm. goals that just don't even seem to make any sense. But whenever I break those down into manageable pieces, um, you know, five years, 10 years later, I noticed, huh, I've kind of achieved this goal. And it's, it's funny. So when I was uh, maybe in my 20s, there were so many goals that I wrote down, maybe I had 10. And I said that I wanted to have a certain salary by the age of 30. I wanted to be a full professor. And when I went back to that list just this week, uh, or, or this year, I realized that I had achieved most of them and they mm -hmm. didn't seem so daunting at all. So so just last week I created um, my goals for the next 10 years and it connects in a really interesting way. And they're very lofty, but I think that I can manage them. So you go 10 years out on goal setting? I do. Wow. Now, how often are you looking at goals? Maybe, you know, as you as you break that down um, into 
to smaller chunks and, and you look at maybe the focus of a year, year, how often are you you looking at those those goals and building your tasks out based on them? Yeah, I think that I review them annually. So mm-hmm. this is not anything that I'm just putting up that would stress me out because they're so lofty. Because I think sometimes when it comes to goals, I mean, to goal setting, you can sometimes be overwhelmed. Like on a bad day when you see something, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I want to be president of the United States. You're thinking, man, I can't even get a grant proposal that was you know, just a $500 award. So how am I going to be president of the United States? Or people aren't even listening to me today. But I think having the space to reflect upon those goals is important. And having that right environment is great because I think that it requires a wonderful um, a wonderful time of reflection where you celebrate the good things that happened the previous year, but you also realistically encourage yourself um, for the next year and you 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 break down those goals into manageable pieces for that moment. Maybe it's that week or that month or the next six months, but you have to look at everything incrementally so that you can achieve that lofty goal. That's that's really good. So I know that you have had a, a interest in developing um, tools that improve STEM curriculum in um, in post secondary classrooms. I'm I'm a parent of a, a five year old daughter and a, a one year old son, and you know I'm I'm thinking through. I've, I've attempted to put my daughter in in situations that might help her at least learn as much as she can about the sciences. Right. Okay. What can we be doing uh, both as parents and as a community to help more children be exposed to STEM opportunities at a much earlier age, especially among people of color? Yeah, well, I think something that is most important and was very important for me was having that space to experiment and to ask questions. Um, It's also really important for kids to fail, you know, in a society when so many people are entitled and we think everyone gets a participation trophy just for showing up. We need to learn, (laughs) you know, from our failures, because I think that's where um, the advances and the innovations in STEM come from, too. Like you'll see that maybe one thing that you proposed isn't successful, but we need to ask our children what lessons they learned from those. And then how do you somehow take that information and use it to make something better? And I think once kids see that it's okay to not be right all the time and to tinker so that they can create something better in the future, that encourages them in STEM. So so sometimes it's not even about the science at first. Like people will say, well, my my kid needs to know algebra or know calculus. But I think that we need to teach our kids how to think first and foremost and how to um, to revise their thinking so that they can come up with optimal solutions in everyday problems. Yeah, that's, that's really important. What can young researchers maybe coming into to their college years, right? What could they do to equip themselves as they look out to the working world, you know, to prepare themselves for success in the field? Well, I can kind of speak to some of the things that I've seen with um, some of the, the students these days. And I think that many times people are not proactive, but being proactive is important because 
many people will not just hand you information. They don't know how much you know or don't know. But if you are not afraid to ask questions, even if you think that they're dumb, I think that that opens new doors for you. And it helps you to learn from from people who you may not have ever engaged with before. And it, and it starts a conversation um, with a larger community about new questions, new research, and new opportunities for, for us as, as researchers and, and for students. Uh, out of curiosity, um, did family have an effect in, in shaping your career? And if so, you know, why is family um, so valuable to you? Yes. Um, my, as I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but my mom and dad were amazing um, in terms of, of my career and just my thought process. Um, mm-hmm. So I am an only child and my parents mm-hmm. had me a little bit later in life. So my, um, my mom and my dad both lived in Alabama during the civil rights movement. They taught during segregation, but they also taught during integration and they mentored many children in their local community who have now grown up to become very successful adults. And one of the stories that I think helped me to even think about education is um, being with my mom and dad, maybe when I was four or five years old, just going through Alabama, rural Alabama, where we lived and seeing um, members of the Ku Klux Klan outside mm. at a rally. And I was in the back of my car and my uh, I just remember my my five year old self asking my parents, well, who are these people with the sheets on their heads? And my parents mm. said, well, these are people who don't like people like us. They don't like black or brown people. And as a child, I just remember during the rest of that ride asking how someone who did not know me could think that I was not capable of doing something. And that is something that stayed with me for the rest of my life. And I think it helped me to not be fearless because I wanted to prove to anyone in the world that this little black girl could be anything. If I wanted to be president of the United States, an engineer, um, get a PhD, um, be an astronaut, whatever, I could do it. And I would never be limited by um, my race, by my gender or by anything. And I think my parents instilled that in me. And to this day, I just I just think that um, the world is my oyster. And if I want to be president of the United States, you know, in 12 years um, or, t- or eight years, I can do it. And that is where that there comes from. That is powerful. You are so passionate. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Monica, I just want to take a, a quick minute and pause to acknowledge you. Many of our listeners might not know this. In 2008, you earned a, a Presidential Early Career Award for Scientists and Engineers, which is the highest honor bestowed by the U.S. government on outstanding scientists and engineers. I am impressed, uh, again, by your, your perseverance over several years to continue to advocate and pursue better possibilities for our next generation of, of STEM students and women of color. And, you know, through your role as a professor and now a department chair, these things aren't aren't enough. Uh, they, they are enough, I, I should say, for, for most people. But you are a mathematician. You are an engineer. You are an entrepreneur. You're a very funny comedian, I might add. But you've had me laughing even before we got on this interview. And you're a leader in your industry. And so I just want to commend you and acknowledge you for that. We have a few more minutes with you. And this is a part of the discussion where, you know, we we tend to speed things up a bit. Okay. Are you ready? I think I am. 
All right. What's one book you've read that's inspired you most? Oh, goodness. One is um, Rework, and it is by the creators of Basecamp. And I remembered this one chapter, um, and the chapters are very short in this book, and it talks about innovation and entrepreneurship and lessons learned. And it, it mentioned Apple and how everybody wants to be the next Apple. But the phrase that stands out to me is you can't out Apple Apple. And mm. it just makes me understand uniqueness and how wherever you are, you need to somehow drop on that personal brand that you bring okay. to that environment. That's, that's terrific. I've never heard of that book. I, I'll need to, to add that to my queue. Okay. It's called Rework. Yes. Who's the most important person in your life? Yeah. Um, so the most important person in my life right now is my husband, because um, when I went out on my first date, with him. I told him I wanted to be a university president and I was about 22 years old. And, uh, we, he, he was not intimidated by that, but two months later he asked <laughs> me to marry him and we have been together almost 15 years. And he is, wow. he is a very strong man. I have a very strong personality, but he is a quiet, calm man who somehow can work with someone who is just really ambitious and feisty like me. And I think so often we think of men as uh, being strong if they're able to kind of be those take charge, um, somewhat chauvinistic alpha men. But I have great respect for my husband because he is this quiet, steadfast rock who just keeps our families together. Nice. Name, a, do me a favor, name an online resource. It it could be an app, software, or tool you use every day that you just can't live without. I'm going to be really simple when I say this, but Microsoft um, Office's calendar is amazing <laughs> because, because I have so many competing interests. And so right. often you think that it's it's something like really advanced that will help you. But for me, it's just having that ability to connect with people very efficiently and quickly. So yeah. I just recommend just having great tools that help you to and stay on top of stuff. And being organized. Yes. Yes. Monica, why is it important that you volunteer and give back of your, your time, your talents and your treasures? Yeah, I think that, we need to pay it forward. I believe in paying things forward because I would not be where I am if it had not been for people who sowed time into me and just people who saw that country girl from Alabama who had never taken calculus and who did not uh, kind of even know what an engineer was. Um, People doing that for me is important. And so I always think about this in terms of my relationship. Um, I invest in people, not buildings. And I think that's how you really make the biggest impact in life. So volunteering is great. And for me, obviously, volunteering is mentoring. Yes, 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 yes. There's there's truth in those words. I love that. Invest in people, not buildings. Yes. That's that's great. If you if you could travel back in time, uh, back to the future style, what would you go back and share with your your 22 year old self? I would tell myself to dream even bigger 
than I than I would than I thought that I could dream then. Um, mm. Just recently, I kind of saw myself, you know, as an entrepreneur. You mentioned that, but I also want to be a media mogul. I think that mm. it's important to uh, disseminate information in STEM education. Um, when I look at TV, for example, I'm seeing some images that I don't like, like in reality shows and you know, just just representations of people of color. And I think that. I would have wanted to become a filmmaker or um, kind of learn more about drama so that I could find new ways to disseminate the knowledge that I've learned within STEM. You know, I'm going to pause you. You have, I mean, you are like, you have so much happening in your life right now, yet you find you have so many ideas about what you can still become Mm -hmm. when when you grow up, right? Oh, yes. What is it about you that allows you to think beyond where you are? which is is so busy as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I could just step back for just a moment, I did take this, um, this strength, fi- it's not a strength finder, but it's more of a, a tool that I took. And it talked about how I'm a nurturer, but I'm also an empire builder at the same mm-hmm. time. And there is a hunger and a love that I have for people that, makes me want to find new ways to connect to people. And the empire builder side of me um, is the one that's trying to, to find breadth. So how can I do this in a new way? You know, instead of just being a professor, which reaches this kind of elitist type group, then how do I connect to the people who are in Alabama, the people from my community who maybe don't have access to the things that I have? And I think my my hunger to do so much comes from wanting to impact as many people as I can. And that's where the ideas come from, too. I feel like I connect to you in so many ways oh, <laughs> in, in, in that, you know, because and, that, and that's the reason I kind of brought you back to this. I have an extremely busy full time day and two little crumb snatchers that take everything of me until until well into the night. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding the desire to push through all of that to, to do this podcast. And, and as you touched on a moment ago, shine a different light on people of color yes. than what we're we're oftentimes seeing in media and hearing in the media um, today. And so I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, I hope that inspires some of the listeners that say, well, you know, I don't have the time or, you know, I don't think I can do that. I think I think your story is so inspiring and and it 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 should help those listening to say, you know what, I can do it. And, um, you know, realize that the only limitation is the one you place on yourself. Thank you. And, you know, I would like to add one other thing, though, about that. And it comes back to education. And at the core of it, we are about building people. And whenever you plant something within someone and they now have the the courage, the knowledge or the resources to do something, you can then move to something else. And so I think that if we kind of look at every venture as a place where we're developing individuals who can now duplicate our efforts, then that's Mm -hmm. also how we're able to do so many things as well. And even looking at you with your podcast is an amazing way to educate individuals because someone's going to listen to this. And then it's going to change his or her life. And then that will change someone else's life, too. And so you begin to see the the multiplier. And I think that's why we do what we do, too, because we know that it's just not about us. But what we do at this moment is going to potentially impact hundreds, if not thousands of other people. And it's going to live beyond our own lives. That's so true. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. 
you know, we're, we're kind of approaching the end of our time. And, um, so I, I wanted to invite you to take a couple minutes and just impart some, some actionable insight. You've been doing a great job of that through this, through this session, but share some, some actionable tips, strategies, um, inspiration to, to really help us elevate our game today and, and blaze our trail. Yes. Yeah. So I think that it comes back to this theme that I've been talking about throughout the podcast, which is people. And I think that it's important to connect with people who share your values and people who somehow want the best, want to see the best um, in you. They believe the best of you and they want to work with you to achieve great things. Um, I could say that I've worked with many people who are talented, people who have resources, you know, people who um, maybe are even connected, but if there was no connection between myself and, and those individuals, it made the work very difficult. And I think that if I could go back, um, thinking of a previous question, to tell myself anything, I would say really work on developing those relationships and just work with people who want to do great things also. Build that relationship equity. Yes. I am so happy that we connected over Twitter. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Connectivity, people. I love it. Thank you for me. Guys, listen, you know, uh, Monica and I met over Twitter a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, this is what this is what we're talking about. You guys need to step outside and really reach out and begin building relationships. You know, social media provides such an amazing avenue for you to reach anyone anywhere. Just in the space of the last two or three weeks, I've been able to, to meet people like Monica and have this conversation that now lives on forever and impacts so many people as you echoed ago a moment ago so that's that's just great you know and i'm really happy we connected i appreciate you taking the time out of your super busy ambitious life (laughs) to to share your 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 story it's very powerful and i know you're going to impact so many you know little girls and big girls too who are who have you know so many young entrepreneurs young young female entrepreneurs have reached out to me in the last week and um you know i was just looking forward to to having the conversation with you because i know they're going to be inspired by your story in a big way so thank you thanks so much um, for what you do i just want to encourage you to continue to do what you do because it's making an amazing difference and this has made my week thank you (laughs) well thank you so much i appreciate you being here oh thanks Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I hope everyone is on fire and ready to set some lofty goals and begin taking action today after you've listened to this episode with Monica. Now, if you're on Twitter, I'd love you to shoot me a tweet right now at TBPod and tell me what you love most about today's episode. You can also connect with Monica on Twitter at M-O-N-I-C-A-F. C-O-X at Monica F. Cox. I'm going to post links to all of her recommendations for books and other resources on her on our show notes page and you can go to tbpod.com slash episode 10 to access those. If you enjoyed today's episode, I really, really need your help. I want you to open an email or a, a new social media post right now. I'd love you to tell one, two or 10 different people, family members, friends, coworkers, about the podcast and invite them to listen to this, uh, either this episode 
or any other episode that you think might have might impact the most. We are growing our podcast's reach in many, many ways, but I really believe that we have the power, you have the power to help us get the word out and put these, you know, very powerful messages from each of these interviews in front of those who the, these messages have the power to have the greatest impact with. And as Monica shared today, someone listening to this episode might be changed by this message and go on to change the world for many, many others in the process. So once again, I thank you all so very much for listening to this episode and to our podcast in general. I want you to to go out, rise above, go way beyond and pursue your greatest you.